Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The other week, Molly, Lily, and I had plans to head to Hancock Beach for a sunny afternoon of family fun and Gilbert's ice cream, of course. And so we grabbed our beach chairs and our, our beach bag. We threw the stroller in the back of the car and grabbed the baby carrier in case we wanted to go for a walk. We packed all the essentials for Lily, and a few hours later, we were on our way to the beach. We finally were ready. We hopped in the car, we get to the beach, and it's gray and cold and windy. But, you know, being determined to have a nice day at the beach, we grabbed our chairs and stuck them in the ground. Lily went for a nice swing, which she was having fun with until the wind picked up. She started getting a little afraid. And the next thing you know, the family over that way, their their little floaty blew past us in a gust of 50-mile-an-hour winds. And we decided, okay, we get it. We'll head home. Life has a way of catching us by surprise, of flipping our expectations on their head, of not going according to plan. And I'll tell you what, when you're in that moment when the plan is just so far off, it can feel a little ridiculous. As much as we like to make plans, forecast and direct our lives, we're often met with unexpected changes to the plan, especially these days, right? I'm sure probably all of you have experienced some change of plans because of COVID. If you haven't, just talk to any educator out there trying to plan for this upcoming year. The plan changes daily, uh, sometimes even by the hour. Now, life is chaotic and uncertain and a little bit ridiculous. But the fact that plans get changed and, and our expectations get flipped on their heads, that's nothing new. Because uh, we heard that in our story this morning from the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph. And Joseph, his brothers, their father, they all have expectations. And all their expectations get flipped. And the end of our text this morning ended on a note of chaos and uncertainty. But before we jump to the end of the text, let me me back up and, and see how we got ourselves there. We move now in this larger narrative of Genesis, as Aaron mentioned, from, from Jacob and his toils and stories uh, to the next generation to his sons. And so this episode starts out with Jacob giving that robe of many colors to his son, Joseph, his precious son. Remember that Joseph was the firstborn son that Jacob had with the woman he truly loved, Rachel. And Jacob wants his son to know a father's love, especially because Jacob didn't exactly experience that with his father, Isaac, who preferred his brother, Esau. 
And so Joseph wants to know, uh, Jacob wants to know, know, Jacob wants Joseph to know that he loves him. And that's why he gives them this precious robe of many colors, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it's a demonstration of his deep affection and love for his son, Joseph, because he wants the best for his son, Joseph. That's his plan. And a little ironic with what the robe actually brings about. Well, Joseph has a plan, too. Joseph's plan has been revealed to him in the form of a dream. And Joseph's not too shy about sharing his plan with everyone, is he? Joseph's dream is unusual. It goes again. Unusual. It goes. And hierarchical. So the son would always bow down to the father, the mother. The younger would always bow down to the older. So when they hear his dream about bowing down to him, they're not too happy about it. They flip out. And of course, his brothers go on to concoct a plan of their own. The text says, when they saw that their father loved Joseph more than they, they hated him. And when they heard the dream, they hated him even more. And in verse 19, which we didn't hear this morning, the brothers say to each other, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these pits, and then we'll see what becomes of these dreams. And this whole time, it seems like God is completely absent from the story. He never speaks. He's never referred to. We don't know what God is doing in this story. We're not told. And yet, God has a plan. And here's how we know that God has a plan. I'm going to read for you a few other verses that we didn't hear this morning. This is what happens after Jacob sends Joseph to go find his brothers. It says this, Joseph came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. Play it back. The brothers just happened to decide to go to Dothan. Take care. scattering of events. 
It seems like God is completely absent on the He must have been managing every little detail of what was going on. Because he's got a larger plan of salvation in view. You see, there's a famine coming that no one knows about. And so if Joseph is thrown into this pit and is killed, is dead, everyone dies. Or if Joseph is thrown into the pit, but then rescued right away by Reuben, everyone dies. Because there's a famine coming, and God has a plan to use Joseph to raise him up and save not only his own family, but tens of thousands of other people. And then there's God's plan for Joseph. See, it seems like Joseph has a little bit of a a heart thing going on with this dream of being elevated above his brothers. There's a little bit of pride there that Joseph's walking around with. And if Joseph had been rescued right away, according to his own plan, he would have been lost in a much more profound way. God had something he needed to show Joseph. He needed to lower Joseph before he could raise him up. But in the midst of it, for Jacob, the father at home, mourning the loss of his son, for Joseph in the bottom of that well, yelling out to his brothers to come back and save him, for Reuben and any of the brothers who had any sense of of what they were doing was wrong. Everything is chaos and uncertainty. All their plans gone awry. Maybe right now, that's where you're at in life. At that fork in the road between all of your expectations and reality. Maybe there are some things in your life going on that that have you questioning not just God's goodness in a general way, but God's love for you. Your marriage isn't what you expected it would be. Your aspirations for your career aren't panning out. Maybe there's been an illness or an injury that's set upon you or a loved one unexpectedly. And it has your whole world flipped upside down. Your plans are falling through. Life is not the journey you were expecting or hoping for. In these times, it can feel like God is completely absent. But God has a plan for you too. And God's plan is working. But in the midst of it, it can feel chaotic and uncertain, sometimes a little bit ridiculous. We see a random scattering of trees. God sees the path through the forest. He has a dream for your life, too, a larger plan of salvation, and nothing can get in the way of it. Difficulty? Trouble? God takes these things and he rearranges them 
for His own purposes. And if you know God's love for you, if you have that assurance, then nothing can stop you. The that you're raised. And all of the suffering and the difficulty is going to make you into a richer, wiser, better person, or it will kill you. And even so, we have a God who turns all deaths into resurrections, both literally and figuratively. It's just like the Apostle Paul was saying in our epistle reading from Romans. He says, in all things we are more than conquerors, that neither death nor life nor height nor depths, nothing can separate us from God's love. And Paul knows a thing or two about suffering. But he also And you can have that assurance of God's love for you too. It's yours. Because a few centuries after Joseph, another one came who was rejected by his brothers. Another one came who was sold for pieces of silver and betrayed by the people closest to him. He was stripped and abandoned to die, and he cried out, Why? And no one cared. Jesus. Things looked chaotic and uncertain, but this was God's plan. A larger plan of salvation for the world. God used the suffering as a savior for his family and some folks later in Egypt. But Jesus laid down his life of his own accord to save the entire world, to save you. But Jesus' pit was vastly deeper. And his nakedness and abandonment was infinitely beyond what Joseph or you or I experience in our suffering. That Jesus was stripped of his Father's love so that we could have the robe. So that we could know the Father's love for us and have that assurance. Jesus lost the Father's love and paid our penalty so that we could always walk in that confidence. When you receive Jesus, like our little Louise received her this morning, you have the assurance of God's love. You have the robe. So how do we move forward in faith, in the midst of all the chaos and uncertainty? I'll give you three things this morning to walk away with. The first is pray. Pray as much as you plan. We do make a lot of plans in our lives, but sometimes we forget to pray. Before you plan anything for your family, for your family, God, go to Him. Ask Him what He wants. There's a reason the Lord's Prayer starts out 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Instead of asking God to come and bless our plan, ask Him, God, what's your plan? What are you already blessing? Let me be a part of that. A second thing, hold on to your plans loosely. A tightened fist means that I want control, that, that I know what's best. And especially in times of uncertainty, we tend to tighten our grip a little bit. An open hand means I have a general direction, but I'm open to guidance. I'm adaptable and flexible. If Jesus was stripped of his robe so that we could wear it, so that we could always know the Father's love for us. But it's so often that we find ourselves leaving that robe in the closet, right? Forgetting that God loves us. When you wake up each morning, remind yourself, that you are God's baptized child. He is with you. Be reminded of that love by God's word. Let it speak into your life. My prayer is that you would always know that the Father loves you, that He is watching over you and working even you and working in uncertainty for your good. Let's pray. Father, help us to trust you in all things. Our plans rarely go as expected. Our lives can be upturned. Help us to see you in the mess. Help us to trust your path when we're lost in the woods. And help us to believe, to actually believe that you love us in spite of ourselves. And that you see us as your own sons and daughters, clothed in the robe of Christ's own righteousness because of what he did for us on the cross and at the empty tomb. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.